Jeff is on his way to Oklahoma City for the Disciples Association of Musicians. Uh, I understand he has uh, a part on the program there. And so we have JP with us again today, and we thank you. Um, I read from Mark 6, verses 14 through 29, and this was the international, New International Version. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison, and he did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came on his birthday. Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, ask me anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask I will give you up to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? And the, the head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried back into the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed but because of his oath and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse him. So he immediately sent an executioner with others to bring John's head, no, with orders rather, to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl and she gave it to her mother. 
On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Who doesn't like a birthday party? Kids in particular love them, especially if they are the birthday boy or girl. Friends come bearing gifts. There's cake and ice cream and candles to blow out. And these days, there may even be an outing to a local amusement park. Blowing out candles, it's fun for kids, but for seniors, not so much so. It's hard to find a cake big enough and enough air. Birthday parties can be a bit stressful for parents they usually want everything to go as planned, but quite often something doesn't. I found a few horror stories about birthday parties gone bad. A family decided to throw their eight-year-old daughter a surprise party, only to have her burst into tears Everyone, when everyone yelled surprise, she sniffed, surprise parties make me, my heart hurt. One party hired a clown to entertain the five-year-old boys, only to have half of them scream in terror when they saw the clown the parents had to send the clown away. At one of these fun outings, one of the kids showed up with a stomach bug and began throwing up in the middle of the ball pit, the cake, and the gifts. And as a bonus, each kid left the party with a favor of his very own stomach bug. Another family went all out and spared no expense to create the party of the century, except only one guest showed up. It turned out that the birthday girl's class had conspired not to go because the girl had made other kids feel bad if they didn't have as nice of things as she had. And the one who showed up did so because he felt sorry for her. All of these birthday parties pale in comparison to the worst birthday party ever. The stories I just told may have made parents lose their minds and kids lose their lunches, but no one lost their head. The ultimate bad birthday party took place at the infamous party of Herod Antipas. The birthday party story is today's text, and that's what it's all about. A prophet, a king, an evil queen, and a 
scantily clad, clad dancing girl. Let's look at the prophet and the king. The story is told as a flashback in Mark's gospel. Once upon a time, a certain king, his name was Herod Antipas, became aware of a wandering preacher from Nazareth who was performing all kinds of miracles. Herod technically was not a king. He was a tetrarch or a Roman appointed governor of the territories of Galilee and Perea. Herod the Great was also called a king, but he too was really a king in name only, as he was a client of the Emperor Augustus at the time that Jesus was born. And you might remember, he had little boys killed. Rumors about who Jesus was had been circulating. The people speculated about who he was. Some thought he was John the Baptist who had come back to life. Others thought he was Elijah. And still others thought he was one of the other prophets. Note, these were the same answers that his own disciples gave when he asked, who do you say that I am? The king was convinced that only one of those rumors could be true. He was convinced that John the Baptist had come back to life. The prophet he had both feared and revered had come back from the dead. This is where Mark gives us a flashback into that story. King Herod had arrested John and put him in prison because the prophet had condemned the king for his marriage to the queen, who happened to be his half-brother's ex-wife. The king saw himself as a sort of modern messiah because he had been working on the temple that his father had built. John attacked that line of thinking, saying that no real messiah would do the kinds of shameful things that Antipas had done. Now, the hateful queen. What had Antipas done? He had fallen in love, or should we say fallen in lust, with his niece, Herodias, who was the wife of his half-brother, Herod II, otherwise known as Philip in the New Testament. Now these Herods get all confused up. We should not confuse him with his brother, Herod Philip, who was tetrarch of the east of Jordan. The Antipas and Herod, Herodias rather, met in AD 29 
when the king visited his half-brother Philip on his way to Rome. As for the niece, the idea of being the wife of a tetrarch appealed to her, and she agreed to marry him if he would get a divorce from his first wife. So he did, and so she did. Herodias divorced Philip and moved into the king's palace, where they hoped to live happily ever after. But not only was the marriage a political problem, it also was a major violation of Jewish law, which forbade marriage to a brother's wife, unless it was to provide a son for a deceased brother. Philip was still alive. And he and Herodias had a daughter together. Herodias saw John as a pain in her aspirations and wanted him dead. And out of the way, the king feared and protected John because he was a holy man and he liked his preaching, even though he didn't quite understand it. The king should have been more perplexed at what John was preaching. John was proclaiming the coming of a real Messiah, the kind of kingdom and power that Antipas desired was nothing compared to the one who would usher in the kingdom of God. The king would be confused about Jesus until the end. He never realized that the one who wore the crown of thorns was the real royalty. Then there's the party girl. The king threw a party for himself, a birthday party. He invited the rich and the powerful members to the court. Jews generally didn't celebrate birthdays, but Romans and Greeks did, and he liked all things Roman. So he wanted a party. History tells us that the parties of the Herodian court were legendary for their excesses. And you can bet that King Herod Antipas indulged more than one glass from the punch bowl. Herodias saw her chance to influence her new husband to bump off that annoying prophet. So she had her daughter dance for her new husband and his stag party. Loosened up and lusty from the party, Antipas was gaga over his stepdaughter. That was another Jewish no-no. Therefore, he made a rash oath that he would give anything she wanted, even half of his kingdom, which, by the way, was not his to give. When the girl asked her mom, the nasty queen was ready with her answer. 
I want you to give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Not exactly ice cream and cake, huh? The king was now trapped in his own words. He didn't want to lose face in front of all of these important people of the court. He reluctantly ordered the prophet's head severed and put on a platter. Then the girl gave it to his, her mother. Ultimately and unfortunately, the party favor, that party favor, has been repeated in various forms in subsequent centuries for those who would speak the truth against power. There are relevant morals in this story. Some are very obvious. It is interesting that Mark spends more ink on this story than some other stories we might expect. For example, he gives us no account of Jesus' birth whatsoever. He, there are only few details on Jesus' baptism by John and his journey into the wilderness. Few of the teachings we find in the other Gospels are in Mark. And he mentions only six parables. This story looms large. Perhaps it's because Mark wants us to recognize three things. First, following the true king is a costly business. Giving our allegiance to him will put us sideways with the political and social forces that seem to govern our world. Speaking the truth often results in being ignored at best and at worst may put us on a cross. This odd story in the Gospel of Mark also might mean reminds us of another thing. Second, we are invited to a different kind of party. Immediately after this terrible story about a party gone wrong, Mark offers another party story where things go better than anyone could have imagined. Jesus fed more than 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. That is not exactly a usual party menu, but it is a lot better to accept than the other party. In contrast, King Herod Antipas threw a party to honor himself and his own birth with an exclusive guest list restricted to the rich and the powerful. And he, in his drunken lust, condemned a holy man to death. Neither Mark nor Luke, neither Mark nor Jesus, seemed to care anything about the Messiah's birthday. And yet Jesus threw a party for the poor and the hungry out of compassion and brought life to people in need. Which king 
do you want to follow? And which party do you want to be a part of in the end? And that is the third thing we should get. In AD 36, King Arturus, the father of King Herod's first wife, attacked and defeated Herod Antipas' army. The Jews were elated. They considered that this was punishment for beheading John the Baptist. And in AD 39, Herodias goaded her husband to claim the title of a real king himself, not just a tetrarch. She urged him to go to Rome to appeal to the new emperor Caliglia. Instead of becoming king, Herod and Herodias were banished to the region now known as France, out in the sticks, so to speak. And his territory was given to Herod Agrippa. We are guessing Herod Antipas has no more parties after this. John's death foreshadowed the death of Jesus, who, like John, had spoken truth to power, and the result was the same for both death. But we know that wasn't the end of the story. The party has just been beginning, beginning, and it's still going on. If you're not at this party, it's not because you haven't been invited. Jesus invites you to the party. If you have not yet accepted, today would be a good day to accept. Amen.